0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. You know, it's always great when hotel operators renovate their properties and spruce them up a bit. Such is the case with the newly renovated Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort. So we're going to learn all about that in today's podcast. Plus our good friend and regular guest on the podcast is Paula Worthington and she will join us to share her recent trip to La Paz, Mexico. But I want to start our podcast this week talking about an interesting article that caught my eye titled The Dirty Truth About Cleaning Fees. It's a blog from author, consumer advocate, and travel journalist Christopher Elliott. And it's all about those cleaning fees you pay when booking a vacation rental property. So I thought it'd be interesting to see what he's talking about. So Chris Elliott joins us now. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. I was intrigued by the title of uh, your latest blog. This is the Dirty Truth About Cleaning Fees on Vacation. I think a lot of people just sort of uh, assume that uh, cleaning fees are part of uh, what they have to pay when it comes to vacation rental properties and things like that. But uh, what, uh, what sparked the, the title of the Dirty Truth About Cleaning Fees?
1: Well, um, I rent a lot of vacation rentals. Um, I'm actually on the road about 300 days out of the year. And I started getting very curious about this because uh, often, in fact, almost always, when you rent a place, VRBO or um, Airbnb, or you know, even if you just go online to uh, a, a rental site uh, and privately rent a, a, something like a vacation rental, you uh, usually get the cleaning fee after they quote you the room rate or the, the rate for the rental. Mm. And, the, and the rate also varies. It can be anywhere from um, you know, $100 for, uh, for a short stay to, uh, I mean, I've paid as much as $450 for a cleaning fee.
0: Uh, and there's no difference between how long you're staying, right? If I stay for two days or for uh, a month, is there a difference on uh, have you found on the cleaning fees that people pay?
1: Not really. Um, I, I found that the fees are very similar, whether you're staying for three days or three months. It just got me very suspicious about you know what's behind these cleaning fees. And then, what are they really charging for?
0: So, what did you find out in your research? Do people uh, are people actually making money off their cleaning fees? It only costs them say fifty dollars, and they charge one hundred and fifty dollars.
1: Yes, uh, actually, I've spoken with several housekeepers, house cleaning service providers that say there's a difference between what they charge the rental owner and what the rental owner then passes along to the guest. It's not as much as you would expect, but over time, it, it can actually add up, and it can be uh, a, a source of profit.
0: Uh, it doesn't even matter the state of what you leave the the room or the condo or whatever you're renting, right? If you if you're not a messy person, and and you know basically all they're doing is the laundry and you know vacuuming and that's it, they're still going to charge you regardless if you left a mess. Well, you have to remember they're
1: calling it a cleaning fee, but it's really just uh, a profit fee. You know, when I uh, I bought a car in the states and uh, in, down in Florida, uh, I had the same discussion with the car dealership. There's something called a dealership fee, and I go, "What's this?" It's something like six hundred dollars, and they go, "Oh, that's our profit." It's just we just call it a dealership fee. It has nothing to do with anything. And I go, "Well, thanks very much for your honesty." <laughs> that's the same thing with uh, with these with these fees. Is are they using it to clean the place? Maybe they're they're uh, taking some of that money and using it to clean. But uh, in the end, it's just how they make their money.
0: So now, what can people do about it? Is there anything people can do about it?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you you can definitely ask. Although I, I'm staying in an apartment in Los Angeles right now, where I did ask, I said, you know, is this room rate the or is this rate for the apartment a full rate, including all fees? And she said yes. And then later on, she said, well, there's a cleaning fee of two hundred and fifty dollars. And I go, well, I just asked you about these fees. <laughs> She goes, well, that's not a fee. That's just something that we used to clean the place. I go, well, that's come on. That, now you're splitting hairs. <laughs> but you definitely can ask to, to find out. And usually, you know, if you're renting through one of the big sites like Airbnb, mm-hmm. they will disclose that at the end. And you can still say, no, I'm not going to pay that cleaning fee. Yeah. But in the end, what we really need is a regulation like they have in Australia. And this is a really cool common sense rule that every civilized country on the planet ought to have. And that is the price that you're quoted is the price that you should pay. No surprises, no gimmicks. So the Australians have this great regulation that says if you're quoted a hotel rate or a rate for an apartment or vacation rental, and they say that it's going to cost you $2,500 for the month, that is the rate that you actually have to pay, including taxes and all mandatory
0: fees. What a novel idea that would be, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and it's funny because, I mean, how did we even get here? Yeah. Uh, that, that you know, no one, people are are actually getting charged a rate that they were not originally quoted. I mean, isn't that like the most fundamentally honest thing that a business can do is quote a rate that you actually end up paying instead of, you know, a, a suggested starter price or something yeah, exactly. like that. exactly.
0: Uh, well, some good advice there, and, and definitely something uh, that people should be aware of. Uh, the article is called, This is the Dirty Truth About Cleaning Fees on Vacation. A little play on words by uh, Chris Elliott. You can find uh, all his uh, info and advice on his website, Elliot.org. that's two L's and two T's. Uh, thanks for your uh, insight, Chris, appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always great when hotel operators renovate their properties and spruce them up a bit. And such is the case with the newly renovated Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort. So to tell us all about what's new at the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort is Santiago Rivera. He's the managing director of the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort. Hello, Santiago. Hello, how are you, Mr. Sharman? I'm how wishing I'm wishing I was in the Dominican Republic at the uh, Meliá Punta Cana Beach Hotel right now. <laughs> so yeah, uh, give me some to, some background to on the uh, Meliá Punta Cana Beach. I understand it's adults only, but how long has it been around? And uh, I understand you done uh, a lot of renovations to it recently, right?
2: Yes, uh, it's true. Uh, well, we did uh, the we did a total refurbish of uh, the hotel. Uh, we just uh, finished uh, last December, and, well, uh, nowadays, uh, we are running the, all the hotel. We have refurbished uh, 544 rooms, uh, 136 are part of the uh, level adults only. It's our premium product and our most exclusive service uh, within the hotel, you know?
0: mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where is it located exactly now?
2: Well, we are in the heart of Punta Cana in Bavaro Beach. Uh, we were the second uh, hotel company that uh, arrived at the, at the country. And we are located uh, just in the middle of, uh, of Bavaro. You know?
0: And you're right on the beach, I understand.
2: Yes, we have close to the beach <laughs> uh, to the beach 800 meters of beach with uh, spectacular gardens. I used to say that this is not a resort with a big garden. so this is a big garden with a resort. Mm-hmm. you know it's very important for us because uh, our commitment with the natural environment, is very big and strong. So we try every day to transform the resort
0: into an eco resort with a lot of things and, mm-hmm. and examples, you know. Uh, well, it is an adults only resort, so that's uh, one thing that people should uh, understand that there's no children around, so uh, different kind of amenities, different kind of services, right? Yes is to, speaking truthfully uh,
2: nowadays uh, our guests demand and ask for a resort only for adults and when i talk about adults i, I talk about people uh, uh, of more than above 18 years old so mm-hmm. we have no children here and we have a service uh, oriented Uh,
0: only for adults in this case, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what are some of the things that you offer your guests that uh, they can enjoy? Well, uh,
2: we can offer a lot of things. Uh, Gastronomy, it's very important for us, for example. uh, We have uh, 14 restaurants with all kinds of baritics. for example, Mexican, asian spanish italian all international cuisines into our resort is like a brand awareness and uh, we have a lot of facilities Uh, we have close to the hotel uh, shopping village Uh, we have a cocotel we are owners of uh, golf and country uh, club golf uh, of 18 holes we have our year spa uh, as I said before, 14 restaurants, uh, 10 bars, a lot of uh, things to do and activities in the resort daily and night activities. Uh, we are running a new spa, there will be open and ready next uh, June. And uh, of course, the, all our refurbished uh, rooms, as I said before. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we have a, a splash island, a water park, and uh, and a big beach uh, that is all included, and uh, only for for adults. Uh, and that's all. No? Mm-hmm. You, you have all the things, and you can have, you can do. Uh, several excursions like uh, Santo Domingo is the capital city Saona Island Uh, we have a Cocobongo here uh, around 10 minutes from here and we are 15 minutes from the Punta Cana International Airport so we have a lot of things to do you know you
0: cannot uh, bury in this kind of hotels. I'm looking at uh, your website from uh, Melia.com some of the rooms look fantastic you go from the deluxe room to a beachside room to the level suite to the premium suite, so uh, different options for everybody, right? Yes, uh, I used to say that if you
2: are uh, looking for a wedding we can offer if you are looking for a convention or event we have a large convention center of more than uh, 1000 meters, square meters for more than uh, 1000 people if you are looking for uh, quiet vacations uh, we can offer so that is the things that we can offer and that is the things that uh, the rooms that we can offer, also as you say before, you know, mm-hmm. we have some
0: uh, types of of rooms for 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 its uh, conditions, you know. Mm-hmm. And is an all inclusive, so uh, you got your specialty dinings, as you mentioned, and your your basics from the all inclusive, right? Yes, uh, you. If you stay here, of course, uh, you can forget about
2: your pocket because <laughs> uh, all, all is inclusive. Uh, of course, if, for example, uh, well, we have several offers, but for example, our spa and some activities like uh, golf mm-hmm. are not included. Uh, but, well, you know, all these uh, basic things uh, like uh, food, beverage and uh, well, activities, mm-hmm. uh, of course, they are included.
0: Uh, now, if I'm uh, checking in, do I have to make sure uh, that I book my spa early? And same with the uh, specialty restaurants, do I need reservations for those? In it's my opinion, uh, I don't
2: like to give uh, a lot of options to our guests. So uh, here, the restaurants are uh, with no reservations. It's, uh, it that it means if you are entering, uh, you can serve. And you can enter at, uh, to the to, uh, restaurant in this case. Uh, perhaps uh, if uh, the restaurant are full, you can wait around five or ten minutes, okay? Oh, you, nice. We have, we have a service of beepers that uh, can announce you when the restaurant is ready for, for in this case, for our guest.
0: Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned some of the activities. Uh, the beach probably helps. A lot of people uh, probably take in that. Uh, any uh, uh, things that people uh, should sort of take note of that uh, might be a special activity uh, that's uh, special to the area. Well, we have a, a lot of activities even in at the in the beach
2: because we have a. Um, a company uh, outsourcing company that offer uh, to our guests activities in catamaran uh, fishing uh, excursions uh, in the boat and well uh, we have our uh, personal staff of activities uh, and they are doing uh, things like volleyball, soccer, and night activities like uh, sushi making, tequila tasting. And, uh, for example, for us and for this country, it's very important, the chocolate. And we had we have an activity, uh, an, an external activity that uh, the people can learn a lot of things of chocolate. And at the end of this activity... Uh, our guest uh, makes uh, one bar of chocolate, for
0: example. <laughs> very nice. Uh, Santiago Rivera is the uh, managing director for the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort in the Dominican Republic. It sounds like a fantastic place to stay, Stay, uh, Santiago. Thank you uh, for sharing. Thank you very much. Thank
2: you for your time. And again, I invite all of you, all the Canadians are very welcome here in your home in Punta Cana. Thank you very much, Randy, for your time.
0: Well, if you're a regular listener to our podcast, you'll know that Paula Worthington is a travel writer and blogger and... Travels a lot, and when she does, she likes to share her adventures with us, and she is a long-time contributor to the show. Recently, she traveled to La Paz, Mexico, and Paula joins us now to share her adventure. Hi, Paula. Hello. Uh, Tell me, uh, where is La Paz, Mexico, anyways?
3: It is on the southern end of the Baja. So that long, skinny strip uh, that goes south from California, um, which looks like, it looks like just this skinny strip of land, and it is huge. It's it's about twelve hundred kilometers long, the whole thing. Um, so when people reference, you know, like driving down the Baja, that's that's a big adventure for them.
0: Uh huh. And what uh, what were your first impressions when you went to La Paz, Mexico, as opposed to La Paz, Bolivia?
3: That's right. Yeah, people <laughs> know La Paz, Bolivia. This was La Paz, Mexico. Um, incredible. I think what it's what it's really known for is it has these unbelievable turquoise waters. White sand beaches and it really feels like authentic Mexico. So most people would people say, well, how do I get there? There is an airport there that is mostly serviced from um, Mexico Gateways. So through Mexico City or Monterrey, you can fly directly into La Paz. Mm-hmm. Most people out of Canada would fly into. Um, the San Jose del Cabo Airport, which is near Cabo San Lucas, mm-hmm. which a lot of people know that area right at the very southern tip of the Baja. So okay. it's about a two-hour drive from that airport to La Paz. It's a it's a four-lane highway, really well-maintained. There is shuttle service, but a lot of people just choose to rent a car, and it's easy driving. So So that's often how people will get there. So you go north, and then you go east. So La Paz is on... The east side of the Baja facing what they call the Sea of Cortez Mm -hmm. um, versus the Pacific and beautiful, calm, amazing waters. And a lot of the fun happens underwater. So we'll talk about that, too.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Uh, compared to uh, other places uh, in Mexico, vacation spots, you mentioned uh, Cabo San Lucas uh, and for for a lot of uh, beach areas in that area, the water is not as calm, but you're saying it is calm. So it's, it's very nice mm. to, to, you know, lay on a beach and go swimming in the ocean there. You can do that, right?
3: Yes, absolutely. And I'd say one of the big differences too is, um, it, you know, you, there's a lot of, of great amenities and restaurants and amazing seafood. It's less the the bigger all-inclusive hotel type atmosphere. It's more smaller hotels or, People traveling around from, you know, different from Toto Santos to La Paz and trying out different places. And then I actually had the opportunity to stay on an island, a UNESCO World Heritage Site Island called Espiritu Santo. And they have uh, a luxury camping little village there called Camp Cecil. It's eight tents. Um, it has a staff and you get sent out by boat and you get to um, sleep in a very comfortable bed in a beautiful tent um, that's located literally like five steps from the beach.
0: So you're not exactly roughing it.
3: No, you're not exactly <laughs> roughing it. There's there's wine, there's food, um, there is, you know, facilities. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so zero waste. So it does have a, a composting toilet and a solar-powered shower. Um, so you have to be willing to be a little bit adventurous in that regard. But in terms of the actual facilities, um, just... Unbelievable. You've got couches under a tent, a big long dining room table. Um, you know, like a lot of similar to backcountry experiences you can have in mm-hmm. Canada. Sometimes what the chefs can create there with the food it puts some restaurants to shame. They create these unbelievable multi course meals in basically an outdoor kitchen um, and a lot of things that are fresh caught. There's uh, a pair of brothers who are fishermen who would come into the cove at the end of the day and deliver fresh caught fish. And they're, the, the brothers are 84 and 91 years old, and they've been fishing their whole life. Oh, my lives. gosh. <laughs> and they'll, whatever they've caught that day, they bring it in. And, and um, the day I was there, we had lovely, fresh trigger fish. And, um, you know, it doesn't get much fresher than that.
0: So how many nights did you spend, I'm going to call it glamping?
3: Just one night, uh-huh. yeah, just one night glamping. And, um, and w- a really cool thing there is there's lots you can do. You can hike, you can paddleboard. Um, we went out to another island. It's another protected site, so you have to get permission to go out there. Um, but this island is home to a huge colony of California sea lions, which I didn't realize are really playful um, mm-hmm. creatures. And you can get in the water and you snorkel with them, and you're in their habitat but they swim underneath you, and they're quite curious. And um, you, um, you know, you go with a guide, and you follow precautions. But um, really, you get you get a chance to kind of play amongst the sea lions out in the water. So there's experiences like that that really get you into nature, uh-huh. um, and uh, and you get to kind of see this incredible marine life. There's um, Jacques Cousteau once called the Sea of Cortez the aquarium of the world because there's just so many thousands and thousands of different types of marine life. And the Baja itself, between the west side and the east side, is home to about a third of all of the world's marine mammals. Wow. So there's, yeah, all kinds of stuff you can see.
0: So did you go in the open water a little uh, further out and, and witness, uh, I don't know, whale watching or that type of thing?
3: Yeah, so two two big things. One, um, the, the day we came back from Camp Cecil um, in the Bay of Cortez, there's... Um, whale sharks and they feed there during the winter months and, and they're, they can be around 10 meters long. Um, and they are a shark, but they eat plankton. So, um, they're very safe. Again, a protected area. They measure the number of people going in, but you can actually jump in the water with a snorkel and with a guide and you can swim with them for a few minutes. And it's really, they're, these are the ones that are, they have the spotted, um, they're, they're spotted and, mm-hmm. and um, they 're just so phenomenal to watch underwater and, and how graceful they are and to swim alongside them. so that was a, a great experience again that's on the east side, which was very very calm waters and and um, you know similar to if you're comfortable swimming in a lake, you're comfortable in that water most of the time. Um, we also did a, a longer trip, a day trip from La Paz, and we went north and then to the west, so back over to the Pacific side to a place called Magdalena Bay and um, th- there's a huge lagoon about 120 kilometers long, where which is home to grey whales in the winter months. And you go out in these small boats and again, um, you know, it's all very protected. I know that's something that's really important for travelers these days is mm. making sure that that it's, you know, it's taken care of, that it's not, you know, there's not a lot of over-tourism and, you know, we had areas where we had whales coming up and there was not another boat in sight. We were the only ones there and and um, the whales will come up and they'll have their young ones too and they, they don't jump like humpbacks do, but they'll come up really close to the boat and you can um, get a good little glimpse of them and, and, I mean, they're longer than the boat that you're in, so it's pretty phenomenal to see them in their natural environment.
0: Uh-huh, no kidding. Uh, so what what do people need to know if they're planning a trip to uh, La, Baja, La, uh, La Paz, I was going to say La Baja, yeah. <laughs> La Paz, uh, that would never been there before, like myself?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, it's a great complement to any kind of Mexican travel. Um, there's everything from kind of high-end, wonderful restaurants to, you know, 24-hour uh, taco restaurants that you can visit day or night. Um, a great place to visit is to go to to the website GoLaPaz and it's G-O-L-A-P-A-Z dot com and they'll kind of show you the different accommodation options the different activities that are happening and really I think you'd want to give yourself you know easily a, a few days or a week there some people might tie it on to A vacation they're taking in Cabo, but a lot of people, they just, you know, head straight there to that area. And Mm -hmm. it also does attract a lot of Canadian snowbirds as well. So people who are choosing to spend, you know, January through April in in that kind of an environment and where they want to really have kind of a really authentic experience while still having some great amenities. Um, La Paz itself has about 250,000 people. So it's still so it's a good-sized city um, and really easy to navigate. There's a, a Malecon, you know, about five-kilometer-long boardwalk right at the, in the center of town that is right on the water. So um, easy. you see lots of people out there rollerblading and walking their dogs and lots of families, so it felt very safe mm-hmm. and, and really easy to navigate and people were wonderful.
0: Well, I am looking at that website now, golapaz.com, and I'm looking at some of the photos. Uh, the beaches look fantastic. And, mm-hmm. yeah, everything, you have all the amenities there that you need, so it uh, looks like a, a great place to visit.
3: Definitely. And, and uh, you know, and, and for people, there's some people who feel nervous in the water, and I wanted to address that, where some people say, well, I'm not really, um, you know, not much of a swimmer. And they do a great job scaling the activities. So there's always an option to where a life jacket in the water or, um, you know, once you have a snorkel and once you have flippers on, you almost feel like a fish in the water. And Uh the guides are really good about making sure that you're within your comfort zone while you're still able to, experience with marine life so they make sure that you're really well taken care of and and you know whether whether you've been you know diving for years or or if it's something that you're a little bit less comfortable with again it, it is that gentler water there um and the cleanliness too you know they're trying to really reduce their plastic usage in the city and they realize how important that marine life is for them so it's great to see some of the initiatives happening on that front too
0: it all sounds great uh, paula Worthington, travel writer blogger and her website you can find all about la Paz. Mexico, uh, on her website wanderswild.com. Always a pleasure to chat, Paula. Thank you. And that is this week's Informed Traveller Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, My email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.